Thanks, Steve. Hey, if we haven't met yet, my name is Hans. I am uh, one of the pastors here, and uh, it's great to see you all. How about we uh, pray before we look at this passage together? Let's pray. Father God, I pray that wherever we're at with you, you would speak to us through this, uh, through this great passage, but also on this topic of hope in the face of death. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we live in extremely anxious times. Everyone seems to be anxious nowadays, and it's especially because of COVID, right? Uh, and COVID is, is quite scary for, for so many of us. Uh, I remember when I first heard about COVID and I saw the pictures from Wuhan of hospitals being filled up and, and you know, uh, the, the medical staff over there having nervous breakdowns because they can't handle everything. And then it, then it came over here and there was, this, there was this fear around death, which is still here, death because of COVID. And then there's, then there's the fear of some of us have rightly or wrongly we are scared of the vaccines and the problems that they can cause because we're scared that that's going to maybe trigger something health-wise in us and could end in death i was speaking to two different people uh, just this last week and one person said i'm terribly scared of of covid because i don't want to die and i don't want my loved ones to die and then i spoke literally five minutes later to someone saying i don't want to take the vaccine because guess what there's side effects and that could affect me and i could die and so so right now we're all scared of death and one of the reasons why I think we're really scared of COVID um, is because even if even if um, we may not get sick or die from it, it seems like death is right before us all the time. You, you know, there's always um, on social media or the news or something about how many people got sick with COVID in New South Wales, how many uh, died in the last 24 hours because of COVID. Death is right before us in a way that it hasn't been before. And here's my question for you. When you think about death, you think about your own mortality. And so how are you going to deal with death, whether it be someone else's death or more importantly, your own? Because today, when we when we hear about, you know, all these people dying from COVID, it points the finger at us and says, you may not die of COVID, but one day you're going to die. And so how are you going to believe, how are you going to live in light of your own death? And it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not. It doesn't matter what you believe about the world or, or, or God or anything. You've got to have a worldview, a belief system that helps you live in light of your own death. How are you going to do that? You can't just sweep it under the carpet like we like to do. Because I think COVID has said, Death is now back on the agenda. So, see, today we're going to look at how Jesus deals with death. In fact, we're going to see him go into a very tragic and painful situation. It is the funeral of actually a few days after the funeral of a young man. And Jesus is going to interrupt death's party. And he's actually going to show us great hope in the face of death. We're going to see that when Jesus is confronted by death, he brings three things. And those three things are truth, tears, and triumph. When Jesus is confronted by death, he brings three things, 
truth, tears, and triumph. Well, let's have a look at the first, first one. When Jesus is confronted by death, he brings truth. And we see here, he has a conversation with the dead man Lazarus, one of the dead man, uh, man's uh, sisters. Have a look at verse 17 with me. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to confront, comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know now that even now God will give you whatever you ask. But Jesus said, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at that last day. Here, here they have this conversation. It's a very, very first century Jewish conversation. It's around the resurrection on that last day. Jewish people, and you see this in the Old Testament, but you also see this in the New Testament, that on that very last day when God brings everything to account, what, what will happen, Jews believe that everyone will be raised from the dead, especially those who are trusted in God, they will go to be with God forever. And so there's a sense in which um, Martha here is just saying what Jews would say to each other at a funeral. Yes, he's going to rise again at that last day. It's a bit like, you know, when you go to a, um, a funeral, an Aussie funeral, what does everyone say? He or she is in a better place. It's this nice comforting thing that Martha probably spoke about, but really didn't know the implications of what she said. Because here's what Jesus says. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever believes, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do, do you see what Jesus is saying here? He is saying the resurrection that you are speaking of, I bring it. The resurrection you are waiting for, I will bring. And, and you will only be raised in the, in the sense that you are wanting for your brother if you trust in me. And, and, and Martha, do you know what this means? This means that I, I love you. This means that I love your brother and I won't abandon his soul to the grave. Jesus here is claiming to be able to defeat death itself. That's what he's saying. He is saying that in him, if you trust in him, your death, if you die, whether it be of COVID or something else, is just a doorway to something far better, peace with him, life with him, eternal life with him. That is what he is saying. And so Jesus is claiming to be able to defeat our biggest fear. Our biggest fear is death. We spend so much money on trying to be younger, trying to look younger, trying to prolong life as much as we can, I think because we're scared of death. We are scared of death. 
And the, the interesting thing is previous generations talked about death all the time. There's a very famous letter of, of Jonathan Edwards, a theologian from the 1700s. He sent to his daughter, who's about 12 years old, and he actually talks about her impending death and how friends at her school had just died and how if she got sick, he might not be able to come back in time for the funeral because he's going on a long trip. So she's got to trust in Jesus. And what we see is back in that day and even before that, that was quite common for parents to talk about death with their children. But when was the last time if you've got kids, you had a conversation that began with this, hey, little Johnny, you know you're going to die and you need to be prepared. We don't have that because it's not only confronting for the kid, it's extremely confronting for us. Why is death so confronting? Well, the atheist author Elaine de Botton says this about death. What makes the prospect of death distinctive in the modern age is the background of permanent technological and sociological revolution against which, is, which it is set and which serves to strip us of any possible faith in the permanence of our labours. Our ancestors could believe that their achievements had a chance of bearing up against the flow of events. We know time to be a hurricane. Our buildings, our sense of style, our ideas, our achievements, everything that we have lived for will soon be gone, will soon be anachronisms. Do, do you hear what he's saying? Death is so terribly uh, frightening to us because we know how impermanent our lives are, that everything that you and I have worked for will be gone in the blink of an eye when death comes. You can't take any of it with you. Death takes all your achievements and pushes them out the door, takes all your money and says, guess what, you can't take it with you. It ends your relationships. And so that is why death is something we don't ponder. And yet, here is Jesus. He is saying, actually, Elaine de Botton, you've got something wrong. Death is not as permanent as you think it is. Because I will come and I will be raised from the dead. And I will raise other people from the dead who trust in me. And so, therefore, you can live beyond the grave if you trust in me. That's what Jesus is saying. And therefore, death is not the end. And therefore, you don't need to be afraid of death because Jesus brings the truth of his resurrection and the resurrection that is found in him to all people. And so what Jesus asks Martha here, do you believe in me? He's asking us today. Do you believe in him? Do you believe that you will be raised too through him and through him alone? Do you trust in him for your resurrection? If there is, there is great hope in the face of, of death. But there's one other thing. One of the things that, that a lot of people say about uh, um, Jesus is that he was just a good teacher. He's just a good teacher. But can you see why from this passage that we Christians balk at G being Jesus being just a good teacher? 
if if Jesus was just a good teacher and he couldn't raise anyone from the dead, he couldn't give bring hope beyond the grave, and he said the things that he said here to Martha, he wouldn't be a good teacher. He'd be a cruel teacher because he is offering absolute false hope here. He is not being a loving teacher or a good teacher. He, he's lying to her. But if Jesus is God who can raise people from the dead and, raise, and is raised at his own death, after his own death, and will raise us too, he's far more than a good teacher. He's a great God. Do you believe in him today? Jesus brings truth in, 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 the, face of tr in the face of death. But when confronted with death, he also brings tears. Have a look at verse 28 with me. After she had she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Mary, sorry, now Jesus had not entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. When the Jews, uh, sorry, when, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But someone said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus has two emotional reactions in the face of death. The, the first is in verse 33. I wonder if you saw it. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Now, I hate to say this, but, but unfortunately, we've got to do this to uh, unpack this passage. The words deeply moved in spirit and troubled is actually not a great translation of what the Greek says. The Greek literally says furiously angry. It, it uses this word. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever seen a cartoon of a bull or a horse flaring their nostrils in rage. That's the word in the original, right? And so Jesus here is deeply, deeply angry. Why? Why? Because it wasn't meant to be like this. It, it wasn't meant to be like this because... In God's original plan, death was not meant to have any part of it. And yet sin has come into the world. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, and therefore death comes into the world. And yet Jesus knows that this is not the, not the way to, uh, that it was meant to go. And so he, he sees the carnage, the emotional and psychological carnage that death brings, and he's furiously angry. But here's the other thing. He knows what he's about to do. He knows that he is going to die and rise again. He is going to take the sin on himself, the punishment of sin on himself. And so he knows that in doing that, that makes the resurrection 
for other people possible. He knows that to bring Lazarus out of the grave, he needs to put himself in the grave. If he is going to interrupt Lazarus's funeral, he is going to summon his own. But he also weeps. In verse 37, Jesus weeps. He feels great pain and sorrow here. The God of Christianity is not a God who watches us from a distance and and doesn't interact with us. No, God knows what it's like to be filled with sorrow, to be filled with pain. And therefore, he can sympathize with you and me in our pain. Having someone who sympathizes with you makes all the difference who tries to understand your position uh, or or your pain, uh, it's really important. I remember a number of years ago, I I played basketball and I I got an injury to both my elbows and I was in a lot of pain and I called up my brother-in-law and I, I, said, I said, you know, what should I do? Is it night? And he said, look, if you go to the, um, if you go to the uh, hospital now, the emergency room, there'll be tons of people there, right? And so don't go there. Just, uh, just, just wait till the morning. Because anyway, hands, if your elbows are broken now, they'll be still broken in the morning. And I thought, mate, I'm glad we've got the best and brightest becoming the doctors of the future. That's what I thought, right? If it's still broken, if it's broken now, though, we're still broken in the morning. Anyway, I, I went to the uh, hospital. I remember talking to him a few days later. I said, why didn't you say something that's stupid? You're very smart, all this kind of stuff. And he got, uh, I said, I was really in pain. He said, well, I have never had a broken elbow, so I don't know what it's like. So I was not really sympathetic. And he apologized. We both laugh about it now. It's all good, right? But, but, but see, he, he kind of was not sympathetic because he hadn't experienced my pain. And yet here is Jesus, the God of the universe. He is experiencing the pain of losing someone he loved. The God of the Bible is one that has felt your pain on a really, really significant level. And because... He has suffered. He has compassion on you because he's experienced what you have experienced. So some of you guys go, "How hands? I, I I've been abandoned by everyone that I loved." Well, Jesus, when he went to the cross, all his friends, his twelve disciples, left him. Some of you are saying, "Well, hands, I, I've been betrayed by people I have loved." And I want to say to you, before Jesus went to the cross, he was betrayed by a man that he loved, the man Judas. Some of you are saying, well, hands, I have suffered abuse. Well, Jesus may not have suffered the abuse that you have, but he knows what it is like to suffer the abuse of being spat upon, being beaten, being stripped naked in front of a crowd and being humiliated. Some of you guys are saying, well, hands, I prayed over and over and over again, but it seemed like God didn't answer. Well, God, well, Jesus prayed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the heavens were silent. The God of the Bible, Jesus, knows what it is like to suffer. And therefore, 
he can sympathize with you in your pain and therefore you can cry out to him and ask him what is he doing see the beautiful thing is that that jesus not only just brings truth he brings tears and the thing is the, the beautiful thing about that is this that truth without compassion without tears can feel really ugly Tears without truth are are nice, but they don't do anything for you. Jesus brings truth and tears. He has compassion on you and shows you a truth that you can build your life upon, which will give you hope. But not only does Jesus bring truth, tears, he also triumphs over death. Have a look at verse 38 with me. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take the sto- away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you would always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of those people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, came, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. What, what does Jesus do? Jesus just doesn't talk a big game here. Jesus just doesn't bring words of empty compassion. No, Jesus brings true tears and then he triumphs over death by actually raising Lazarus from the grave. He told Martha that he is the resurrection from the dead and he backs it up. He turns his funeral into a party with feasting. See, Jesus looks at death and pain and suffering and he triumphs over it all. Jesus just doesn't talk a big game. He actually comes through. I I don't know about you, but I am sick of living in a world where it seems like so many people talk a big game. So many people talk a big game. And yet a lot of people just don't follow through. I mean, it comes out in really silly ways. I was at uh, a park just the the other week and there was a bunch of kids playing basketball there and, you know, they were playing a full court game. So I was just dribbling the ball on the side. There was one kid who who was talking about how he's going to shoot threes over this another kid and he bricked every shot. He didn't come through. And this is a silly thing, right? But then then there's a lot of people who are in positions of power. And they say they're going to do things and they don't come through. And yet Jesus is the opposite of that. He said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you trust in me, you'll be raised one day. And yet he proves that by raising Lazarus from the dead. And he ultimately, this resuscitation of Lazarus points forward to to Jesus' resurrection. And because after a short time after this event, Jesus will be killed. In fact, if you read this next section in John 11, there's a plot to kill Jesus because he raised Jesus from the dead, because he raised Lazarus from the dead. Isn't that ironic, right? 
Oh, did you hear about Jesus? What did he do? Well, he, he raised someone from the dead. Oh, well, let's kill him then. That is, that is their thoughts. And yet, Jesus not only raises Lazarus, he is raised from the dead. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is not something that Christians believe because it is a nice but dispensable part of our faith. No, it is the core of our faith. If there's no resurrection, well, guess what? That means there's no hope in the face of death. There's no Christianity altogether. But the resurrection says that this world is not the end. That pain and, and suffering will not get the last word. It says that pain and suffering in this world will not be forgotten but be transformed. A lot of people say of temporal suffering that no future bliss can make up for it. But we know that heaven, once we, once we are in heaven, will work backwards and turn every defeat, every agony into a glory. That one day in heaven, Jesus is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. That all the hardship and pain that we have gone through will look quite different the other side of our resurrection. My question is this for you today. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection of the life? Do you believe that there is... Uh, triumph beyond the grave a resurrection beyond the grave see the god of the universe is confronted with death and what does he bring he brings truth he brings tears ultimately he triumphs over it and that's why we can have hope even in the face of death let's pray father god i thank you that we can have hope even in the face of death especially at times like now when, when COVID uh, seems to be filling a lot of people's minds with, with fear of death. Lord, I pray that we would trust in Jesus and we would have hope in the face of death. Amen. Amen. All right, what's going to happen now? We're going to do questions, but I'm going to give you uh, maybe a minute to uh, formulate questions, to reflect, maybe even to pray um, upon reflection of... of... <coughs> Uh, John 11. Uh, so take a minute, do that. You might even want to fill out the communication card now as well. Feel free to do that as well. And uh, drop your questions in the chat and in a minute we'll uh, come back and answer those questions. All right, I'll get you to uh, wrap up what you're doing. If you have a question, feel free to drop it in the chat right now. Um, there's no questions in the chat yet, so hands, I might take the privilege of asking the first one if that's okay. That's fine. Thank you. This this story in the Bible, it seems outrageous. Like, how can it be true? How can I have any confidence that Jesus actually did raise a man from the dead? Okay. Um, you're asking a fan of ancient history that question. That's very dangerous because we could be here till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Don't worry, we won't be. Um, the first thing is um, when people ask this question, 
I think there's there's two things that you've got to say. First of all, there's a philosophical issue, and then there's a historical issue. Um, when people say say um, that there's um, a lot of people would say science proves that uh, people don't get raised from the dead. And I would say absolutely true naturally, right? But science doesn't say that God can't raise someone from the dead. In fact, there's no good um, philosophical argument against uh, miracles. So I would just put that there. We can talk about that later if you want. The second thing I, I would say is about uh, uh, the history question, right? The first the first thing to say is that if you take um, what uh, Jewish people were saying, writers were saying about Jesus, one of the things that, that a lot of them do say is that they who he was a magician. He did some things that you can't explain, but they were trying to say that he was actually from Satan or something like that. So uh, and so it seems like even Jesus' enemies said that he was a doer of amazing deeds, right? The, the next thing to say is this, that um, one, of the mo- one of the things that uh, historical Jesus scholars say um, is that like one of the most incontrovertible facts of Jesus, about Jesus, is that he was a doer of great deeds. He was a, a person who um, did amazing things. You, you can't take that away from history. Or, or he was a doer of things that people thought were amazing, right? Now, here's, the, here's why I think this, is, this story is true for me. Let's get to this story. It is because of verses 1 to 16. But I just find it so weird that Jesus knows this guy is sick and knows he's going to die and he loves him and he doesn't go. Like no human would make that up. It is so bizarre and so weird, right? I remember reading a commentary years ago when I was preaching on this and um, and it was a skeptical commentary where a guy was going, this didn't happen. But he said, this is so weird, you can't make it up. What he was trying to say was, Oh, this is just so weird, you you know, like you can't believe it. But I think he was right. It is so weird you can't make it up, right? But And so I would say that uh, because of the weirdness of it and because Jesus does a bunch of things that, that I don't understand, even though I've studied this passage, he stays away so that Lazarus dies, so he's raised from the dead, but he still weeps at the grave even though he's going to raise him from the dead like all those things together just go there is something otherworldly about this and there is something about this passage that that i don't think any human could make up because it is so kind of almost illogical so therefore i think it is not made up by humans because you can't make it up i agree with that skeptical critic of the bible even though that's not the point he was trying to make Great. That, that's really helpful. Uh, another question on a similar vein, but kind of taking a step back from this passage. Yeah. Um, we're talking about hope in the face of death. Yeah. Some other uh, worldviews and religions also offer their um, their ideas on an afterlife, and, and they they yep. offer hope in the face of death. How can we know which of them is true, or can they all be right? 
Okay, so I've asked this question to a lot of proponents of other other religions, right? Whether they be Eastern religions or all that kind of thing. You, you say there's there's an afterlife. There's this. Okay, give me any proof. Give me any proof. And they say basically, I've got I've got this book, right? I've got this book that that you've got to believe, you've got to take on value, value or not, right? Now. I would never say that. I don't think the Bible actually says that, right? The Bible doesn't say just believe it. Um, when when Jesus is raised uh, in John uh, 21 and there's a guy, Thomas, doubting Thomas who comes to him uh, with doubts, Jesus just doesn't say have faith. He says, here are, my, here are my wounds, check them out. It's as if Jesus is saying, investigate this for yourself. What I would say is, our belief in in the the resurrect the uh, our resurrection is not based on wishful thinking. It's based on a historical event, the resurrection. And the flip side to that, or the uncomfortable flip side to that, is this: if Jesus really was raised from the dead, that mean that justifies everything that he said. And one of the things he says is that he is the way, the truth, and the life. In this passage that we looked at, it says he is the resurrection and the life. You've got to believe in him to have an afterlife with God. And so, therefore, because of the resurrection, I think it's actually implying, saying that Jesus is the right way. And these claims that other religions make um, of, of life after death are not true because Jesus is right. And so we don't say that in a way that um, is meant to be arrogant, like we found the truth and everyone else is wrong. What, what we do is we humbly say, this is what Jesus says. We believe Jesus because he rose from the dead. Why don't you come and explore him too? Thanks, Hans. We've got one more question. This came in from YouTube. So thanks for those who are live streaming in and adding questions. Cool. Um, and, and we'll make this the last one so we have some time to chat before the AGM. Um, when Jesus died and came back to life, uh, sorry, in this story, when Lazarus came back to life, he came out with his um, kind of death robes on. When yep. Jesus came back to life, what happened to his death outfit? Yeah, so basically, uh, I think the 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 gospel writers say they were folded and, and basically put it left in the tomb. Um, so there's that. There, there's this, um, you know, th there are relics that uh, you know the Catholic Church or some Catholic churches have got where it says, oh, you know, these are the grave clothes of Jesus. Not sure that they are. I haven't really looked into it. That kind of thing. But they, they were they were just laid there neatly folded which which shows you that jesus listened to his mother because they were neatly folded um sorry that's a bad joke i know but yeah that, that's all i've got to say really about the grave clothes cleaning up his room is you know yeah i, I think my mum wishes that i'd learned that lesson too yeah well thanks hands we're, we're going to move into our final song uh, uh, this song's called in christ alone and there's a line in this song that says no guilt in life no fear in death and if what Hans has spoken about from the Bible is true, if Jesus really did raise Lazarus from the dead, which we here at MCC believe actually did happen for those reasons that Hans just gave us, then we don't need to have any fear of death because there's something far better after death. So let's sing together this song in Christ alone. <laughs> 